Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Well, today I want to talk to you about something that's kind of been on my heart. Just of recent, we were in prayer first, we were kind of reading through some scripture, and it was, it was based on John 1 and 1. And 1. It was talking about how um, the Word became flesh and how Jesus put on skin and put on bone. Uh, because Jesus, believe it or not, He existed before He came to the earth. That was just when He put on uh, an outfit of skin and bone. But He was always God. He was always a part of the Trinity. He was always there. It was just we got, to, you know, people got to see Him on the earth. Um, at that time, 2,000 years ago. And I was kind of thinking about it, and as I was reading through some of the scriptures, some things were highlighted to me and really encouraged me. And as I look back at my own story and my own journey, I realized that that's what I've experienced too. And so I want to really encourage you today uh, to seek God and to not just seek Him in the everyday mundane things, but, but sometimes you've got to go a little bit deeper. You, you've got to, to access God and His presence, you've got to see past just the natural and just the everyday, ordinary, and dig a little bit deeper. And so I'm going to read from Matthew 2 and 2 to 4. And what's happened at this time, this is uh, Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. And we're picking up here King Herod. Didn't like that for various reasons. It made him feel uncomfortable. Uh, people were giving glory. They were even worshiping this new baby that was called King. And, and it says all of Jerusalem knew about this. It caused upheaval in a way, which was interesting. Uh, it says in verse 2, Now after Jesus was born, so he's already been born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the day of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east. We don't really know exactly who these guys were, but they were foreigners. Uh, they weren't just people who, who lived in this area, that they were from the east, came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Watch this. For we have seen his star. Now you've heard this nativity plays probably all your life, some of you, uh, going to primary schools to see the plays, seeing it online, whatever. That really drew my attention, that they've seen a star. Like, who does that? Who's following the stars? Well, actually, it's usually something to do with astrology, astronomers, people who study the stars. And actually, if you look at the context of that day, a lot of people did do that. Why? Because they didn't have TV. <laughs> they didn't have an iPhone or even a Samsung if you can't afford an iPhone. <laughs> Stay with me. Um, they would have looked to the sky often for signs. You think about how many religions would have spoke, you know, to the heavens and thought this is the, you know, this, this is the God of whatever. You know, this, this star equals this religion or this God. And they would have constantly looked for a source of, of guidance from the heavens. Probably because it was something which was very impressive. It was awesome. It was incredible. And it also went beyond their understanding of how is that, what is the universe is so big, so expansive, that's hard to even comprehend. And so they were drawn to it. And at that time, a lot of religions would have looked to stars or, or they would have even thought at times a comet would come or a, a shooting star was maybe a sign from God of some kind. And, 
And so the story went. And so here we have these wise men. There was prophecies of old, hundreds of years prior to this, that, that did say that there would be a star of some kind that would, that would be a sign. And so these wise men obviously had been, had been seeking, had been searching, had been focusing and giving their attention to the universe, to the sky, looking upwards. And they felt at this time that the star had stood out or shone different. I don't even know. We don't really know the details, but something shifted where they felt in their heart, in their spirit, in, in their mind that this was significant to the point where they came from a foreign land, traveled incredible distances, brought incredible riches and money and presents to this star, king, whatever they thought it was at that time. For we've seen this star from the east and have come to worship him. So whatever they thought it was, it was they thought it was God presenting someone or something that was worthy of worship. That was worthy of laying their life down for, of giving their attention to. And when he had gathered all, so, so it went on to say, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Because <laughs> no longer was he being worshipped, but this other king, this other baby that had been born was being worshipped. And all of Jerusalem with him. So it wasn't just Herod was worried, it was like the whole city, the whole potentially nation was worried, was anxious, was given their attention in a negative sight to this event. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. This was a major upset. This was a major deal. This was a major problem in the culture. Like in today's world, I don't even know what you would compare it to, but it would definitely be on the news. It would definitely be all over TikTok. It would definitely be all over Instagram. It would definitely be on YouTube. People would definitely be in commentaries to get likes and views because it was the topic that was on people's mouths. This Christ that had been born in a small village in the middle of nowhere, probably a bit like Griff coming to Port of Dying. Like, where, where, I'm getting a nosebleed past Lisburn here. What's this town Port of Dying you're in? And so, so, so there's attention being given and it goes on to say, and I really want to focus on this, John 15 and 5, it, it talks about this light. Yet again, a star is given light. It shines in the darkness. It says the light shines on in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. In the same way, Herod just didn't understand Christ the culture didn't understand Christ. They couldn't deny him, but they couldn't understand him. They couldn't, they tried to hide him. They tried to cause him to perish, but they couldn't connect. And so today I want to, I want to focus in on that light that was in the sky, a guiding light to those wise men that brought them to a place where they worshipped but not just they worshipped, they were changed, they were transformed. They had come in connection with God. And the earth was changed from that moment also. So today's message I want to talk about is called My Guiding Light. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you for this story of the wise man 
of Christ coming to Bethlehem, of that light in the, in the darkness that shone so brightly, it shone different to the rest. It was a guiding light. I pray this Christmas, God, that we would find your guiding light, that you would stand out as we seek you, we would find you. When the world tries to hide you, Father, they would understand that it's impossible. Just pray, Father, you move this Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember, uh, I keep going back to this story, when I, I couldn't believe it, you know, so often we're, we're shining, or, or we're following these shining lights in our hand, our phone, or, or shining lights on the wall, our TVs, or, or, or just chasing after shiny things, like Rachel ring, a ring, you know, she wanted the ring. Shiny and it's beautiful and and all those things are great and they're good, but, but often we can get so distracted by other lights. And I remember being in my jacuzzi, I got this little blow-up lazy spa jacuzzi. It's a cheap man's jacuzzi, second-hand too. And I just remember landing the jacuzzi, the first time I was in it in a long time. And when all the lights were out, the house lights were out, the street lights were out because I'm on a building site and there were no street lights. All of a sudden, my attention went upwards because there's nothing else to do. I give my attention to the heavens, and as I looked to the heavens, I started to experience a feeling of awe. I was like, oh my word. And nearly, it was nearly as if to my soul I was saying, I've never seen that before. It's like my first time seeing it in a long time, but it felt like my first time. But, but my, my gut instinct was like, oh my goodness. That is incredible. That is hard to comprehend. That is, I forgot about that. I forgot about how impressive that is, but I also forgot about how it rem reminded me about how small I am and how big God is. And actually, it, it reminded me as a witness that God is real. And that, that couldn't exist without somebody creating it in the first place. In some ways, it guided me to a place of worship. But in order for me to get there, <laughs> the house lights had to be out. All those other cultural distractive lights had to be out. I had to put my phone to the side to be out. Actually, my mom was just telling me throughout the week how... It's mad, you know, she's only been introduced to the Facebook world and Instagram world in the last few years, and now she's addicted. <laughs> and the first time ever I heard her tell me, I actually struggle sometimes in the morning. If I lift the phone up before I lift my Bible up, my head's just buzzing. And I can't actually concentrate on what God's trying to tell me because my mind's busy. And I think the same thing happened to me in the jacuzzi that night where... I'm so busy looking at other lights, distractions, that when God's trying to communicate with me or I can have an opportunity to worship, I miss it. I wonder if the wise men had have just been busy in life. Could it be that they could have missed that star? 
miss that opportunity to meet with God in the flesh? Could they have missed their actual calling and their purpose while on the earth? But something shifted, and I just love this, as they were seeking, they were seeking Him, you see. They were seeking God in the stars, in creation. You see, there's different ways we can find God, and one of them is through creation. And as they seek God through creation, God met them where they were at. But the first thing I believe was important is they they first seeked Him. I love that the God, God, I'm sure God could have done anything he wanted. He didn't need a star. But he used a star. Why? Maybe because that's where these people were looking. Maybe because the culture of that day looked to the stars and to the heavens for answers. Maybe that's why Jesus came in the first place, that he actually wants to meet with people. And he wants a story to be told, not just through him, but through you. He wants a light to be shone this Christmas in your life. He wants to be your guiding light. But he needs your attention. I was even out recently walking the dog, and there's parts of our building site. There's houses still being built, and there's no street lights. And the same thing happened again. I was just walking, and we're in pitch. It's just darkness. But because of it, I was able to see beauty. Listen, the street lamps aren't that, they aren't that, they're light, but they're not that nice. I love an LED. Everywhere around us. Love an LED. But when they, those LED street lamps went out, I got an enhanced experience of worship. I got an enhanced perspective. You know what actually happened when I was out walking the dog that second time around? And the lights were out and I was in pitch darkness. It revealed God's light. It revealed God's glory. It revealed God's presence to me. It actually started to shift not just my eyesight. It started to shift my perspective on life. The things that I was stressing out about, when I put them in the focus, in the perspective of how big God is, it seemed to diminish the things I was stressed about. It seemed to build a spirit of faith inside of me again where where the things that I was worried, stressed about when I was on a lower level disappeared. Because I realized these things aren't actually big problems. Can anyone confess with me right now that sometimes the things that we worry about in the grand scheme of things, when we focus on the heavens and how big and great God is and how He's an eternal being, we're busy because we're, we're short of time. There's not enough hours in the day, but God is eternal. When you compare that in perspective, we sometimes worry, stress out over things that just don't matter. You know, like putting the bins out. <laughs> I don't really worry about that too much, to be fair. But sometimes it can become a dealer. If I'm not cleaning my room or if I'm not simple things but can cause serious arguments, friction. I even heard a friend tell me about a church recently and they were starting to argue over, you know, how many, what we should have, should there be snow? Is that spiritual? 
Santa? Oh. And he's like, I think there could be a split over Santa. Seriously, Santa's doing damage to the church. I guess my perspective on that is really, I've never known a person to lose their faith over Santa. <laughs> Just, that's my perspective. You can have your own. If you really hate Santa and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. But I've just never known anyone to lose their faith. Maybe I've just caused a split, have I? If I just caused a split? <laughs> and so my first point is there's a light you can access for guidance. But God needs your attention. God needs you to seek Him. The Bible says if we seek Him, we will find Him. And listen, some of you are going through situations and life is dark right now. And I would argue that in your darkness, that is your best chance to seek God more than in your comfort, in your ease. We're probably less likely. It's just harder. You go somewhere different when you're in a place of hardship. Honestly, I've actually got, because of what I know God has done in my heart when I've went through hardship, sometimes it's a weird thing. I get jealous of people when they're going through hardship. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Why would you ever want that? But it's because I know there's richness that is found in that hardship that I can't access until I have that. I've never felt more alive in my, my walk with God until I found a place of darkness where I had to look up to the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help comes from above, from the author of heaven and earth. There is light you can access for guidance. I just love that when God is trying to bring guidance to your life, He often brings it many different ways. He can bring it through a person. Often He does. We're about to talk about John, who was, who was John the Baptist was the man to prepare the way for Jesus coming. What to prepare the way for what for light coming to the earth. That was his job. So God sent a person to prepare a way. I tell you, some of you are going through some things and you're one person away from the solution. If you need salvation, you're one person away from the solution. His name is Jesus. But I'm telling you, in, in everyday life, God sends people into your life for guidance. Somebody invited you here to church one day. Your life has been transformed. Speaking to that guy this morning, Mark on our ushers, six weeks ago, <laughs> didn't go to church really, or kind of explained this morning just about how something, he came one Sunday, and something lit up inside of him. He's like, that's not normal. <laughs> that's, that's a different kind of star in the sky, Phil. That was a different kind of service. I, you know what he said to me? I remember the first day he came and he said, he says, something happened in that worship. I had a spiritual experience. Something lit up. Something was different. And I want to explore it. it sounds a bit like the wise man to me. Something in the sky. Uh, we're willing to leave our land to explore it. We're willing to leave our land to see what's happening here because there's something different about this. I want to worship. It's God, there's God's in this. 
this being, this almighty being, this all-powerful being, he's in it. Life's too short just to live life comfortable looking after man-made pleasures and trying to make myself happy on just going out at the weekend. It's good for a while. It's good for a short period, but then I feel empty. Anyone been there? Some of you are here this morning. You're like, I was there last night, Phil. I dragged myself out of bed. Well done. You've done the right thing. But I'm telling you, all those th- this is why what I was kind of reminded of is you can come in here. You can enjoy the worship. It's brilliant. How good with the team today? Come on, put our hands together for our worship team. You can love the fairy lights. Come on, put our hands together for Leo putting up the fairy lights. You, you can love the coffee. Come on, hallelujah. The coffee is back. after. La- you can love the electrics on this week. Thank you. These pleasures. Some of you parents are just like, I love the hour to myself. I'm just here for a rest. Get the kids in, the kids' ministry. I'm here at half ten. Get them in. Woo, put the feet up. Phil, I think we should have the service for at least two hours. <laughs> yeah, this is too short. Having a good time. Any recliners? So what I'm trying to say is we can come in and all those things are good, but they will not change your life. God, I love that. Look at these lights. Oh, my word. Beautiful beams into the sky, just like you see when the heavens are, you know, when the sun is just beaming through the clouds and all these beams. It's beautiful. It's, it's great, but it won't change your life. But just like Mark shared this morning, what changed his life? What's got his attention? Something shifted deeper than just my natural instinct, than just my earthly pleasure, than just what meets the eye. There's something happened in my spirit that's drawn me out from foreign lands. It's drawn me out from foreign pleasures. It's drawn me out from my comfort zone and where I usually go on a Sunday and what I usually do during the week and what I usually listen to on the radio. Something has shifted in my spirit. What I'm trying to say is this Christmas, if you want a guiding light, it's not going to be found in just the normality of everyday life. It's not going to be found in your fleshy desires. It's going to be found deeper than that. It's going to be found when you switch off all the lights in your house and you create a space where you can only see the heavens. And you give that, that, that star a chance to shine. You give God's voice a chance to speak. It's going to look like quieting things down a little bit from the busyness of culture. But there's a guiding light. And I'm telling you, God will want to send a person in your life to guide you. God often can send a vision into your... What, what, what did they, why was that star different? <laughs> why, is it, why, why do you believe the star is different? Because God gave them a vision, a gut instinct in their spirit that something significant was attached to the star. In the same way God can guide you, you just know in your spirit, there's a witness in your spirit that you just know God is calling you, guiding you to go somewhere and do something. Or maybe not to do something or be with someone or there's a relationship you need to cut off. He's your guiding light. He can use vision to maybe give you a dream of, like we think about the compassion, starts as an idea in your head. Anointed idea, it's an anointed image, it's an anointed 
thought like a star in the sky. It stands out. It's different. It doesn't shift. It lasts over the test of time. You can't get rid of it. I remember God had put some things in my heart, church being one, and there's other things, everyday life things as well. Can't get rid of it. Why? Because it marked me in my spirit. I remember the first vision I had about what God had placed in me for church when I was 17 years old. It didn't make sense then. I seen a picture of something that I hadn't seen done before then, but it marked me. It stood out. It, it was worth traveling to foreign lands like the wise men. That's what I done. To go learn some things and bring it back. Sometimes God will send a diversion. What does that diversion often look like? It looks like re rejection, which is then redirection. Sometimes you have been rejected in your life, but God's trying to divert you from a path that you need to get off. But it looks like rejection. It looks like someone saying no. It looks like someone not inviting you to the party. It, it looks like a redirection. But if you, you would actually allow God to speak, give Him your attention, the affections of your heart, God will confirm those things with His peace and His kindness. But He's a guiding light. And He wants to guide you. says in John 1 and 7, this man came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe in Christ, the light, through him. John was not the light, but came to testify about the light. So he wasn't the light, but he was a light. He wasn't the light, he wasn't the Savior. He wasn't the Christ. But he was a, a directional post to Christ. See, God wants us to testify to others so that others can believe. Not because you're the light, because you're a light. You're exposing God you're like that star, a signpost to a destination. That's what, when you invite people to this Christmas service this week, you're being a light. You're giving people a chance to meet with a guiding light that will change them forever. God wants to, God wants to mark people with His Spirit that changes you for the better, not for the worse. Anytime I've went to pray to God, I'm telling you, why is it sometimes that prayer and coming before God is the hardest thing? Why is that? I'll be honest, it's because there's a Herod in us all. <laughs> I want to get the glory. I want to be worshipped. I want to be liked. I want to be Lord. Why? Because there's a part of that that feels good for a while. But you'll end up building an empire. You'll end up building a life that's completely self-centered and you'll not be happy anyhow. I've never met a selfish person that is happy. Anyone? You keep getting greedier and greedier, wanting more and more, and, and it's never enough. 
Can I get an amen? I was kind of like a half amen, like I don't want to be honest because I feel shame about it, but I gave you it anyhow, Phil. And so that's why we want to come to God's guiding light because it guides us into all freedom. We start to then build a life that isn't about our own legacy, it's about Jesus' legacy on the earth. It's about, hey, God, I'm here to serve you. And listen, there's no better place to be when you're submitted. I remember Jordan Peterson. I don't even know if he's a Christian or not, but he talks about the Bible a lot. But he said one thing. He's a very smart man. He said one thing. He says that every man and woman on this earth today, one of the healthiest things you can do for your, for your mind, for your soul, no matter who you are, everyone should be able to bow the knee to one person. Some of you hate your bosses. <laughs> Hate any kind of oversight, but I'm telling you, that's not a good thing. Because why? There's freedom in submission. God's road to freedom isn't just like a field where you just, you're in there with little Bo Peep and you're just running around the field going mad. That's not freedom. That's Often, you know what happens? You get bored there and you start to create idols there and you start, you start to look for different kinds of pleasures there because there's nothing to do. God's true freedom it's like a road system. It's confined freedom. There's roads, there's pathways to get from one town to the next. But there's also off-road where you shouldn't go, where you get stuck, where you get lost, where you break down. And so God's system is like a road system. It's confined freedom. And God wants to guide us on his path to righteousness. But God wants us to testify so others can believe. I had this incredible um, praise report, I think it was last night or the night before. Just came in an email uh, through the church system online. And this is just, I can't can't read it all out, but um, this is some of the things that were said. Your approach as a church, this is a church community, is truly inspiring. And this is from someone who's unchurched as far as I can tell. The welcome is remarkable. It's so nice to finally understand and see the deeper meaning. You are unique, fun, yes, and full of love. This is someone who's been watching online. I think their kids go to youth. And they've obviously been around church a bit, but never really got it, and they're starting to understand the deeper meaning. It's as if they've got a guiding light. We're representing to them a place to follow. A follow to where? Hopefully to Christ. Like a star in the midnight sky. They're following along. They're wanting to worship. They're starting to understand the depths of who God is and what he wants to do with them and how he sees them through the filter of Christ and what he done on the cross. And it just looks like love. Looks like fun. Imagine that. In church, you can have fun. Dare you to smile. It says John 1, verses 12 to 13. But as to many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. See, when we, put, we ask people to raise their hand, in service, we're saying, hey, let's start the journey. But you're really saying is, I trust, I'm going to put my trust in you, Lord. I'm going to adhere to your ways. 
I'm going to submit, I'm going to bow the knee in submission like Adam. Get used to lunging. I'm telling you, you've got to get good at lunging. If you want to go to the gym, just start lunging, especially men. I'm still lunging, you know, to pick the dirt up off the floor in our house. And it, it, it works well. I, get, I receive love from my wife. It goes on to say, who were born not of blood, natural conception, the natural things of life, nor of the will of the flesh, just physical impulse, I just want to give me a bit of hype, Lord. It's good for a short period of time, doesn't last. Nor the will of man, that of a natural father, but of God. That is a divine and supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed. When we say when we say that, what are we saying? We're saying the deepest part of who you are is changed, is marked. And you see, if God can get the deepest part of who you are, He's got all of you. If God can touch the deepest part, if you can give Him your attention and allow Him to guide you, listen, you'll be forever changed. Renewed, sanctified. That's what happened to me. I felt like God gave me vision. He sent people into my life to guide me. He gave me His Word. He gave me His presence. Which always brings me to a place of worship, of wanting to give, of wanting to serve. And in that I find freedom and in that I find wholeness and in that I come alive. I find wholeness. My insecurities begin to die at the feet of Jesus. My lack of love, I'm not feeling worthy enough, begin to die at the feet of Jesus. It was nearly as if I was born to worship a God, a Father in heaven. It was nearly as if I was supposed to be born to worship somebody who would die for my sin and my shame and my brokenness. It was as if I was born to submit and bow my knee. See, when I put my trust in Jesus, I am transformed. And listen, sometimes that, most of the time that's a process, but it starts with a decision. And as you walk through life in different areas of your life, whether it be relationally, whether it be financially, whether it be with your family, listen, life is dark at times, but God's a guiding light. And so the darkness doesn't understand it. The darkness can't stop it. But God's availability is always there. But are you listening? Are you watching? But are you seeking? Because if you're seeking, you will find. And if you begin to seek and you find, will you trust? Because if you trust, He will make a way in the wilderness. He will make a way where there seems to be no way, but He needs your trust. He needs you to take His hand. He needs you to walk with Him. He will change your life. He will give you a story to tell. He will, he will give you a testimony in every test. See, there's a light you can access for guidance. God wants us to testify so others can believe. But when you put your trust in Jesus, you will be transformed. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. 
I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.